0: Right, m right, M&M, you are full service today, aren't you? You've got the communion ready for us, you're passing out the sheets, you fried up the bacon in the pan. And... <laughs> okay, <clears throat> hey, it's 1130, what am I going to do with all this time on a Sunday morning? My goodness. Huh? (laughs) Don't push it. (laughs) I am very grateful for um, the ongoing inspiration of the Spirit of the Lord for this house and for the calling of of the saints. And, um, you know, I knew that we were gonna be blessed to come before the table of the Lord today. And, um, you know, that, that always presents a unique aspect of preparing to me because, you know, um, I guess the Father can have us share about, just about anything in His Word um, that, that He might direct to, but I always really feel like if we're gonna be receiving communion, we need to be sharing from something in respect to communion. And so that puts a challenge there because, you know, it's there's a limited number of passages that actually speak about this. And over the course of decades, we've explored a lot of those. And so I'm not complaining. God always shines through. But um, I was really blessed this morning because... Uh, last night, I, I just kept studying the passages about, um, you know, the, the table itself. And one of the things that God kept reiterating to me was the cup of the New Testament. And so, um, I, I woke up very early this morning praying in the Spirit, and it was kind of a desperation, but I realized it was an excitement of the Spirit. And sometimes it's hard to discern between the two of those things, you know. Sometimes the alarm bell of the Lord can be interpreted in a number of different ways, and um, you know it's one of the things I've been asking for all of us. You know, there are ways that God speaks to us, and because there wasn't an owner's manual for each of us, we come sometimes don't don't recognize the 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 sensations that we as individuals feels feel and what they what they mean. Now, an owner's manual really wouldn't help because I don't ever read the owner's manual anyway. Uh, sometimes things happen on my dashboard and I think, huh, wonder what that is. And so I search through the thing try to find try to find it. And uh, but it, you know, really there there are just things in my life that since I can remember there are certain sensations that I have spiritually and and honestly I have no idea what they mean I mean there there are things that I felt ever since I was a little boy that, that it's a stirring of the spirit and I I've asked God I said this is such a profound thing and it keeps happening over the years and I have no idea what it means you know we we can sense things and seers capacities and we can glean this and we know what these things are But I begin to ask that for myself, and I begin to ask it for you, that there are certain capacities that God has put in each of us, and we're familiar with them, but when God stirs so many of them, because it's such an integral thing, because it's so intrinsic, because it's so personal, we don't really know what it means. You know, we can look through the Scripture, and we can understand principles, and I do believe that this is the way God teaches us. So many things I've learned about myself, and I dare say it's the same for you, when we've learned how God moves, and we've learned through the Scripture why He's doing this and why He's doing that, suddenly that shines a light on, oh, it dawns on us. This is what I feel when this happens. And so, you know, I began to feel this like at 2:30 in the morning I felt this stirring and I remember the first time I felt it when I was like 5 or 6 years old that I can remember and I thought whoa what is that I, it's so uncomfortable and and you know I would just kind of over the years just wait till it passed I looked at it more like it was a a sign of something but this too shall pass kind of thing and so I started to feel that early in the morning and my first thought was, uh-oh, something's wrong. You know, something's happened. And I'm praying desperately in the spirit for this to be resolved. And I, I just begin to ask God, Lord, let me, let me have a clarity just in me and this thing that is personal but something you put in me. Let me have a clarity in that. And the next thing I knew was I felt the spirit ask me, why do you always think there's something wrong when this happens? It was just said that way? <laughs> Why do you immediately think that there's something wrong? Because it's rattling the core of who you are. And he said, in this case, it's something very good. It's an excitement. And, and so I really feel like that, this isn't the message at all. This is just, this is an add-on because I have so much time. Um, and You're not getting out early. Uh, because I have so much time God's given me here. Um, just expect that the Lord is going to begin to make you aware of some of the things that he put in you that you're very familiar with, so that you can understand more of why he made you the way he made you. And and, and I, I really believe that each of us are, are formed in such different ways that God would cause us to, to really come into a point of understanding as to why You know, it's like David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. We've had a lot of good teaching about that over the years. But that God will allow you to understand the fearful and the wonderful in you. And so that you can benefit from it. And, you know, I sense so many times it's more like with us, um, God made us to serve with him and to grow with him. And to walk in the journey with him, and be developed as sons with him, and um, but but there's so many things within us that are kind of like what Pastor Fabian was mentioning this morning. It's kind of like the uh, the alarm of the cool of the day, the alarm of the ruach. It's kind of like God shaking us, kind of like what we heard last week in the palm, God shaking us, and we feel that. It's more of a, of a get ready and a, more of a way that we just need to know how to welcome the approach of God to us as individuals. And so I, I release that kind of thing to, to all of you because you've, you have been such faithful servants of our Father and um, that, that those things that God continues to reveal about the curious, the fearful, the wonderful way that he made you, that you grow uh, in, in, an, in an ongoing appreciation and understanding of those things. And so, um, anyway, I knew from 2.30 this morning that uh, what, what God was wanting to share with us today was, was, a, was a gift. And as I then went back upstairs and began to look at the same passages that I had meditated upon for hours last night, I begin to see some things that really were, were not game-changers, but they're, they're, they're a line upon line uh, of some of the principles and concepts that we've studied before, but it's not a line on the top. It's a line on the foundation. And that's really odd, too. It's like God is coming in and saying, look at this foundation that I've given you. I'm going to show you some things about the foundation. And um, so, the cup of the New Testament. Let's look at this rather unique passage in Luke 22. The Gospels speak of this particular setting, and then Paul revisits it in, uh, in his writings to the Corinthians from something that the Lord Jesus showed him. But this passage in Luke is kind of unique And it doesn't disprove the other accounts. It's just a further uh, shining upon what God said. Luke 22, verses 17 through 20. And Jesus took the cup and gave thanks. Eucharistia. And he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. Isn't that interesting? You're, You're dividing the cup among yourselves. Now... About the only thing that some Ecclesiastical uh, uh, interpretations would say is the the, the common cup. Um, so, you know, sometimes you go into places and they, they don't serve you these nice little plastic things. I hope the uh, Save the Planet people don't ever understand that we're using plastic cups. It'll probably be some turtle that gets it jammed in. In something, and they said we got to do away from the, with those. Anyway, I remember one time I was in in the, one of the first trips to India. Yeah, it was the first trip, and um, uh, I I stayed in a certain place with with Aaron Harrison, which was kind of interesting, you know, that Paul went on, and I had Aaron, and um, so we went to this meeting. And they were going to have communion that day. And they had this one cup. And, I, you know, I, we, we were there. We loved the people. But I was looking over those people, and I thought, I don't know where some of these lips have been. <laughs> I, don't, I believe in the blood of Jesus, but I don't want to put my lips on the cup after that guy. So I said to Aaron, this is pastoral. I don't know why I'm telling you this. Maybe Bev will like it. I said to Aaron, Aaron, once this guy invites me up there, you get up there and you stand right beside me because we're going to be the first people drinking out of that cup. He says, okay. <laughs> so up we go. and uh, But, you know, there's there's some people that the, uh, the only reason that they look at this verse and they interpret this first verse is is they'll say, we have to have this common cup. And they have all kinds of intricate ways that they do. You know, they'll give this big chalice, and then they have a holy rag that they wipe it with, and then they give it to the next person. You guys have been in some of those settings. But that's not what this is really referring to. This is just saying that God has something from this cup for each of you. And a dividing of it would say that, you know, it's the same blood but it's going to have a different effect in each of you. It's, it's, uh, this cup of the New Testament is going to be the same, but it's going to have an intrinsic meaning for each of you. And that's the beauty of this. So they, they take the cup, and Jesus pronounces the good grace over it so that they're going to be empowered to accomplish something in grace. And then he says, For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine, and the kingdom of God shall come until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, so this is the second time that they're addressing this cup. This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. And there we have the new, which is kainos, which is the new that comes from a kairos understanding, something fresh that God is doing, and you gain a new atmosphere, a new season, but it's a new testament in my blood. So really what Jesus was saying here, they administered the, the, the communion, they administered this last supper, and then he revisits the power of the cup. And when he speaks about testament here, we've talked about how this is, this is a word diatheke, and we've talked about that fact that theke is the word only used once in the New Testament. We're going to look at it. Um, we're going to look at it next, which means the sheath from which a sword or a weapon is pulled. And um, but um, really, this diatheke, which the dia the sheath is a disposition or a contract. It's an operational understanding from which you are, uh, you function, that you draw from, and that you understand. And um, the the beauty of it is that the, uh, the theke, the sheath, is from tetheme. So what does that mean? What is the New Testament then? What is this New Testament? And And I want you also to recognize that every time this in the Bible talks about this Last Supper, it never refers to the bread as being the New Testament. It is always the cup, the cup of the blood of Christ, that is the New Testament. And that's very important for us to understand. But um, the cup in the Bible, when you study it, we studied this years ago, the cup symbolized the embracing of and the, the pledge to fulfilling a contract or an assignment. The blood of Christ Jesus is the empowerment of the cup of the New Testament. So when he says, "Let this cup pass from me," he wasn't talking about a literal chalice that Indiana Jones would look through look for. He was, he was talking about the assignment from God. And, and you know the beauty of, of the cup throughout the scripture was that it was something that you would enter into, a point of fellowship and agreement, and you would emerge from that to say, this is my mission, this is my assignment, because it was pledged by that cup of fellowship. It was pledged when I took that and I committed to it, and it's something that you're expecting me to do, and it's something that I am pledging myself to do, and I'm not going to go looking for other cups when this one feels a little bit flat or stale to me. And so... The, the cup of the New Testament is always by his blood. And um, that cup represents our mission from God. So why was the cup the, the New Testament and not the bread? Because the bread is symbolic, and not mo- much more than symbolic, but the bread is that position that God has put you in. The breaking of the bread, the clow, which is your individual assignment, your individual identity, your individual point of assignment, and it's that which the Father talks to you about. It's that which the Father looks to. He looks at you in your identity from Him. He looks at you in what He expects you to be, not to do. The cup symbolizes the life and the vitality by which you do the things that are part of who you are. But when we come before this table and we take this bread, you are the body of Christ. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. God is going to talk to you about your assignment, your identity, who you are. That's who he made you to be. And But, but the the Testament part, the thing by which that identity functions, is something that is new. It's something that is going to be drawn upon from the Tethemi that God puts before you. So it's, it's being and doing. The being is how you commune with the Father, you're in His image, you are your Son. You are the body of Christ. You have individual assignment. You have a terio. You have, you have a positional measure of authority and identity. But the New Testament is identified as being through his cup. The, the sheath of the tetheme, that thing that God put in you, that thing that God said, okay, here's your identity but here's what I want to do together with you. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to use you in this way. I want to use you in this way. That is going to, uh, that's going to be something that is through the blood. That's why the blood of sprinkling, when we partake in this this wonderful table, the blood blood of sprinkling touches those places that God wants to Pull out and say, "All right, I'm going to do this next. I'm going to do this in you through the tetheme of the Lord, through that agenda, that deposit of His Spirit, and uh, that the the life. The life is in the blood. The Book of Leviticus says, and the life of God is is going to come and invigorate that covenant, that contract with with God, and so it's through the blood." It's, it's through the blood of Jesus. It's that blood of redemption, cleansing. It's that blood of remission, being brought back to God. It's that blood of, of, uh, of being empowered to partner with the glory. It's that blood of, of, uh, of preparing you for service in the highest places of the kingdom. And that's, that's the testament. That's the tethemi of God that he wants to do through who he made you to be. And that's the tethemi of God through which you draw from. The sheath of your, your sword is going to be aligned with what he created you to do. And it's not just that you're swinging swords everywhere because you're some wild bandito of God. I mean, you, as Pastor Fabian mentioned this morning, you have a purpose God has ordained you to fulfill wonderful things in him. You are not just a free agent, just roaming around, drinking up the love of God. You, got, you are walking with God. So you have, you have who he created you to be, and then you have this litany of sunly purpose that has been to into you, and the blood quickens that. And at any moment God says, All right, I want to do a new, a kainos. This is a moment where I am going to visit in Kairos fashion. In my my overall Kronos, it's a Kairos moment. And that's going to entail this Kinos opportunity. That's the New Testament. And so you're going to pull out from that wonderful uh, that plan of God for you, the Tetheme, as it were. You're going to pull that out, and it's never going to fail. So that's the cup. And why is it the cup? Because this was an operational agreement with these men. This was an operation. You know, they had already been hearing Peter, you're the rock. John, you're the one that's a a thunder man. You you love my heart. And you're functioning in this. Matthew, you have skills in the economic world and the ability to understand the way things move. You can speak socially when it's necessary. You can do these things. They all knew what their identities were. Andrew, you have this capacity to reach forth into the heavens and to welcome things here. Every one of you has a proclivity. But now I'm saying, will you use it for me? Will you take this cup and say, when I go to the Father, yeah, I'm going to be faithful. I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to go back to my old life. I'm going to take this disposition. And just so you understand this, I'm going to be talking about the cup of my life in just a few hours when we're in Gethsemane. And if you are awake and if you're Gregorio, if you're watching, you'll hear me speak about Abba. You'll hear me speak about the cup because this is what I've committed to do. I've shown you who I am as the son of the Most High God. But now I'm going to be addressing from that from that identity this cup. And I'm going to make very sure in my prayers that I'm fulfilling what the Father From the foundation of the world ordained me to do, and I'm going to make very sure that this cup is honored in this moment, this triumphant moment, that this cup will be done in the right timing, in the right place, and in the way that would be most pleasing to my Father. So this is why, after the normative function of the of the bread, of of the wine and the bread, Jesus then takes the cup again, and here he references. The New Testament. He references it because it's shed for you. You're going to have to, uh, uh, you're going to have to say, I'll take this cup. And that's one of the aspects of this when we come before this table When we talk about the blood of sprinkling. It's not some willy-nilly kind of will-o' the wisp kind of thing. Oh, you know, God's doing a thing over here. Woo-hoo! It may be something we've not heard of before, but it's all part of this testament that's for each of you and we all have to say yes lord i am still committed to your cup i'm still committed to the assignments you've given me Yes, I'm who I am in you. Yes, I have the privilege of fellowshipping with you. Yes, I have the privilege of growing with you. Yes, I have the privilege of understanding what my roles and responsibilities are. But there's always going to be a kinos, something that is new, something that God says, okay, you've been faithful to this point. Now here's a new thing. Here's a kinos. Are you willing to, 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 to recognize that your cup doesn't end? It keeps moving. And you're going to draw from the tetheme. I've already put in you the the design. I've already put in you what I have wanted to do through the deposit of my spirit according to my eternal plan. Now we're going to draw from that. That's the sheath. That's your weapon. That's your main weapon. You know, it really is. The greatest weapon, the greatest gift is agape. That's what the Word says. And the greatest weapon I ever have is that understanding of who God called me to be and what our mission is. Your mission from God through the agape, the embrace of that, is the greatest weapon you'll ever have because it's indomitable. You know, love is the greatest gift. The agape is the greatest gift. What God communes with you to do, that's the greatest gift. When you embrace that, that cannot be defeated. It just can't be. No no matter what happens, no matter how many swords you have, no matter how many mantles you have, no matter how many people you have in your prayer chain, if you, are, if you have abandoned in some way what God has called you to do, you're just going to keep looking for more people to stand in the gap for you. <laughs> but when you are committed to the Father, you can be like Jesus and say, even so, Lord, I'm here to fulfill the will of the one who sent me. And, and from that point, you can believe for anything. From that point, you can believe for anything. But it's, that's why I just think it's interesting. You know, he, he goes through the, the communion, and then he comes back again after the supper. See that? Verse 20, saying, This cup is the kainos, the, the kainos diatheke of in my blood, and it's shed for you to begin to embrace. I think that's great. So let's look at some of the instances of this. And the first one I want to refer to is is something that I mentioned just a couple minutes ago. After they have been in prayer in the garden, uh, John 18, verse 11. You know, here comes the... uh, here comes the Jewish leaders, the captain of the guard, the guard, and they're going to arrest Jesus. And Peter rises up, and um, he cuts off the, the ear of servant of Malchus. And um, uh, to me, this Jesus says to Peter, "Put up thy sword into the sheath," which is interesting. He used, this is the only time this word is used in a standalone way in the New Testament. And it's just hours after Jesus had talked over and over again about the diatheke. This is the, the New Testament through the cup. I, I, just think, I just think that's one of the unique things from the Spirit of the Lord. The, and then he says, the cup which my Father has given me, shall I not drink it? Now, I want to say just a couple things about this. The first is that this wasn't the first time in the three and a half years of Jesus' ministry that he was seemingly in hot water. If you read the Bible, other than the things that you underlined, you'll find that there were so many occasions when people had plots to kill Jesus. My goodness, after his first sermon... They, the, the people in the back foyer were, were planning to throw him over the cliff. And Jesus would walk through them. He would just, whatever they were planning, he'd either be warned and he'd, he'd move and, and escape their plan or sometimes it would just be a miraculous thing. I really don't know how you do this. If you got a people that are in full throth ready to kill you and you can just walk right through them. He didn't say, okay, Peter, you're biggest, bust a hole and I'll... Make a diversion and I'll break away over here. So this wasn't the first time Jesus found himself among people who wanted to kill him. So what possessed Peter to do one of the first um, measures of social protest? This doesn't say any of the others were pulling their swords. Sons of Thunder, you know, they were pretty silent here. Um, and, and you know, what I would think is that The Lord calls us to be a people who are committed to his cup for us. Whatever it is that we're supposed to be and then to do through that covenant of his cup. And, you know, we need to focus on that regardless of what might socially be apparent and um, so that you could be reactionary instead of functional. Um, You know, it wasn't long before this that, uh, you know, just not many hours before all of this they came into the house of Mary and Martha and uh, there is Mary breaking open the alabaster box and anointing him with uh, a very costly anointing for his burial, which is what he says. And what do those Weisenheimers around him say? Oh, who is this woman? And You know, why is she doing this? Does he not know that this could have been... This was costly and it could have been given to the poor. And Jesus said, the poor you always have with you. There's always going to be that thing where, you know, opposing your calling to serve the Father and to minister with and to the Lord, there's always going to be other options that rise up. You know, you could be ministering this way, or don't you see this injustice? You could rise up and do this. And, you know, let's be a voice to be heard. And, you know, know, when you look in the Bible candidly, you find this all over the place. You know, one time people came and they were trying to get Jesus to commit to come against Rome and to come against the Herodian structure there in the land, which they all hated. And so they, a couple of Weisenheimers get up and they say, you know, Jesus, should we pay our tithe to, should we pay taxes to the the government since they're so despicable? And all these people, their ears perk up because none of them liked the government. None of them did. And in fact, some of the more zealous, Of Jesus' disciples, um, they they grew up hating the bondage of Roman rule. And so instead of Jesus taking the opportunity that he could have to say, you know what, he could have prophesied about the destruction of Rome, which was coming. He could have talked about, uh, uh, you know, Herod and what was going to happen to him. And he could have really been a voice to the the people that were wanting change and they're wanting it now because they don't like the government. And Jesus just says, do any of you have a coin? Whose face is on that coin? And he says, you give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and you give to God what is God's. There are all kinds of opportunities where Jesus could have been a real rabble rouser. He could have been an agent of change. But instead, he went after the cup of his father. And I, I think we need to we need to recognize that a hundred years from now, when we're all in the glory land, unless some of you learn some elixir that you can drink and learn how to just work out to the degree that you'll live to be 200, why anybody would want to do that, I don't know. But um, we're all going to be in heaven, and nobody's going to there think at all about the causes that you could get worked up about here, it's going to be about the cup of the Father. It's going to be about what you have been given from Him, and that you know that's what that's what's most important. And so, put up your sword into your sheath, into your sheath, into the sheath, which Peter wearing a sword around. And you know, I've been to lots of museums around the world. I've never seen a picture with Peter with with a sword. <laughs> I've never seen him. Even in the Vatican, I never saw anything of the great founder of the church, quote unquote. I never saw him with a tote a, a sheath and a sword. <laughs> but maybe I just missed it. Um, but, you know, put, put that away the theke of your own understanding. And you remember what I was saying just a few hours ago the diatheke of God, the testament the cup. That's what I'm here for, and that's what you're for. Now, 2 Corinthians 3.6 says, um, Who has made us able ministers of the New Testament? think? Again, through the tetheme through the from which you draw, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. That's a wonderful thing. We are called to be able ministers of of this, and this is the word, so I'm not just throwing Greek words at you. This is the diatheke. This is through the tefeme that God has given you. This is the cup. This is your assignment. We are to be able ministers of that. We are to be those that continue to move functionally and wisely in that way. Now, this divine testament is envisioned and empowered by the throne of God. Hebrews 7, verse 22. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. Better is kraton. It's an, an adjective from kratos, which is the power of the throne. This testament is inspired and empowered from the throne of God. And Jesus is now functioning to pray for us to fulfill this, the power of the throne. I love that. A better testament. We're going to see more of that in this next extended passage here on the the other side of the page. Hebrews 9 verses 15 through 26. Stick with me. There's a lot of testaments and testators in here. So um, just... Notice that this is a major theme right here, so let's stick with it because we may understand something about Hebrews 9 that we've never seen before, and that's always a blessing. For this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament. And what is the New Testament? His cup. That by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance not under the law but under grace not just functioning in the old covenant but now being born again in spirit to, to move with Jesus the eternal testament inheritance for where a testament is there must also of necessity be the death of the testator and that's diatetheme so it's the same word the testament and the person who is is commissioning that, the person who's overseeing that, is that which is wanting the tetheme to function. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator lives. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated and testament there was thrown in. You can see it, it's it's italicized really this is the word en and that's kainos and that so let's let's just read it whereupon neither the intent of a, a kinos moment could be done without blood that's interesting right there that's interesting for when moses has spoken every precept to all the people according to the law he took the blood of calves and uh, of of he, he of the blood of calves and of goats with water, and scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, when he sprinkled the blood, this is the blood of the testament, which God has enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. That's a great word again to be called back. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands which are the figures of the true, but unto heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Wow! Here is the principle of the blood of sprinkling Merged with the testament and talking about the eternal efficacy of what Jesus did in this cup. And the blood, our inheritance, an eternal inheritance, this cup reaches into the far reaches of the heavens, the patterns of things. So this cup of the blood, our inheritance, what we are called to do in God, is on earth and in heaven. What a wonderful thing. So we're not, think of this. We've taught about the sprinkling of blood so many times, and it's been a wonderful principle for us. But like I said, it's like God is line upon lining into the foundation here. We're not simply, and this would be a wonderful thing, partnering with God in something fresh that he's opened. That's glorious. But what we're doing is is functioning in that based upon who he created us to be who we have eternal as an in internal in in internal inheritance we take that cup and through the blood we are we're functioning out of a point of identity and purpose this cup is not simply symbolic it is the essence of who we are we draw from this and so when god looks at us and says i'm going to do something new and it's through the cup of your to Feme, partnership with me. You go forth now and when you sprinkle that blood, it's not just because this powerful gift has been given to you and accessed. it's from that cup of partnership with me. That is a point of identity. That is a point of strength. That is a point of eternal agape. So it's not some fanciful thing that we're doing. Oh, have you done this lately? Have you learned the principle of the sprinkling of blood? That's a truth that's eternal. It went through the Old Testament but to now. But to recognize that this is coming from the cup of our testament in God, what we have been assigned by God to do through the Tetheme, he's invested in us and into the church. And he gave this to his disciples and said, when you take of this cup, what's in the cup is an empowerment for you to move in every new thing that I lead you into. There's just something about this. It's not simply a theological point. It's not a theoretical point. It's not just some principle as wonderful as that is. It is your identity from which this sprinkling comes forth. It's who you're called to be. And when you're moving in the heavens, and you're moving in in the places God leads you to do, and you sprinkle the blood, You know, you need to realize that yes, it's the blood of Jesus, but it is through, it's in that cup of partnership that God has given to you, that you accepted. You're representing Him there. You're not there just because you like to travel. You're not there just because, oh, you met these people and you have an obligation to minister. No, you're there because God from the foundation of the world has called you to represent Him there. And when you sprinkle the blood in that place, it is from that wonderful testament. That is the power of the New Testament. I love that. And that's something that is inherent with all of us. You say, well, how do I accept that cup? Well, you know what? You've already done that. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> You'd have flitted off to somewhere else that, that serves lattes and cups. I mean, y- you, you've committed yourself to him, right? I mean, I, I know you all. And I know you came out of things. You gave up things. In retrospect, they're nothing. But at the time, that meant something. And you know what? It doesn't matter what elder siblings say. I say that about myself and perhaps of others. When I took that cup of the Lord, he didn't ask me, go around the table and ask if it's okay for you to fulfill this cup. Get everybody's opinion now and make sure they bless you in this. No, you know, and you know what? Jesus was, Jesus, remember when Satan came to Peter (laughs) and the Lord said, you know, I've got to go up to Jerusalem now and offer myself, you know, this cup I've got to fulfill. And Peter says, not so, Lord. And Peter rebuked him and Jesus said, Satan, get behind me. Satan is always going to try to get you to abandon the cup of testament. Don't let him, don't let anything keep you from fulfilling that precious partnership that God wants to fulfill, the tathemi he put in you, the tathemi he gave to the church. He's drawing through the power of the blood, and you are functioning in that. What a wonderful thing. See, so often we view these elements of communion, and we view these things in a truthful way, in in a factual way. And it's glorious in that way. But when you recognize that it is personal, that it is a covenant between you and God, not just in the general church, but in you and God. You know, uh, every now and then I'm blessed to go with the twins to their school chapel. And there's nice people there. They're wonderful people there. And uh, the pastor down there is, you know, they're Lutheran. He's a nice, very affable guy. You know, he, he talks like he could have he ridden, ridden with Robert E. Lee. I mean, he, in fact, he's got all kinds of Confederate pictures and stuff in his office, which I'm sure the identity police, I, I don't know why he does that. He's not KK or anything like that. But, you know, you know, he, he, he just, he's a nice guy. So I'm sitting there with the twins and all the grandparents are sitting there, you know, and I'm sitting there with them, one on one side, one on the other, and they get the big book out, you know, with the things they're supposed to pray and the things they're supposed to sing, and so they're both turning the pages, trying to find the numbers just right, you know, and, you know, sometimes they're going backwards a- away from where they're supposed to go. They're getting better at it. And I said, no, 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 he said 792. You're down in the threes, you're going toward two. Now you go the other way now, get it to seven. And so it's funny, though, because they, and I bless them. It's good. It's a good school teaching. These people down there are wanting to hold on to the word. I'm thankful for that. But I, it's, it's, I hear them talk about foundational things. And that's really all they are. And thank God they're staying in the foundation. Thank God for that. But there's, there's a delight in hearing about Jesus forgiving you of your sins. And then you, some, sometimes you do, the last time I was there, we did this common prayer where we say, oh, it's very Catholic. Oh, Father in heaven, oh, we have failed you. We, uh, we have thought things we should not think. We have done things we should not uh, do. Uh, forgive us of our sins. And we asked for your cleansing now. And the, the preacher's preaching that. And then everybody says, amen. You know, that's our part. And we hear him talk about these elemental things, and I'm not faulting them, but I'm saying, to, to to some degree, there's there's a delight in that. You know, my spirit rejoices in that because it's talking about the triumph of Jesus. But in in essence, it's it's detached from partnership. Uh, in, in essence, and and I would say this is so much of the general church. I I hear and I I rejoice that. They've accepted Christ as Savior. I rejoice that there's uh, an acceptance of the need for forgiveness of sins. I rejoice in that. And listen, hey, in in this day, I rejoice that people still believe that the Word of God is the Word of God. I rejoice in that. And so I thank God for that. So there's something that I I rejoice in, in those things. But when I come away and I think, Lord, look at this in your Word. Look at this about your cup. Look at this about what the blood means to us. Once our identity has been formed by you and we step into that role, then we we have to make this commitment to where we take the cup. And not only is it the cup with the blood, which is wonderful in so many ways, but it is a source of strength and power that moves in the tetheme of God for us. It's our sheath. We pull out of that assignment from God. And when we are privileged to take the sprinkling of the blood of our Lord Jesus and we, under his directive, declare that into the patterns of the heavens, that is, that is powerful in itself, but it goes right down into the heart of this cup of partnership that we've taken. It's not just any old cup, as holy as it might be. It's not just any old grail, as holy as it might be. It is the cup of our partnership. And when we go from that approach of an assignment from God based upon our commune with Him and our identity in Him, it makes that confidence in what that achieves so much more dynamic. And and it's, it's just wonderful to me. So I thank God that as, as many levels of the, as there are in Christianity, thank God that, that they are all from him. And we can rejoice in, any, in, in all of them because we see the truth of God in it. But to, 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 to gain not only this calling but this power from the heart of God that He gave to us as individuals, this is your testament, Dennis. This is your cup, Sandra. This is your cup. I'm dividing it to you. It's all the same powerful blood, but this is your cup, Fran. This is your cup, Ava. This is your cup, and and to know that and to sprinkle from that is is phenomenal. I'm just excited about that. Look at this last verse in Revelation 11, verse 19. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, diatheke. This is the heavenly representation of of what you're doing in that temple of the tabernacle. That ark there is, is not the ark of the covenant. It's, it's not the ark of the Most High. It's not the ark of Elohim. It's, here it's called the, the ark of the diatheke. All that we've been talking about, this testament, this cup, is found right there. And there were lightnings, voices, thunders, and earthquakes, and great hail. Why, why doesn't it go voices, thunders, lightnings? Because you are at the apex there. You, you, when you're talking about this in the heavens, which is the focal point of the blood of Jesus, the focal point of what he's doing, there is the essence. This is what your voices appeal to. This is what you're then in contrition called into the heavens for thunderings. But here you are there and so the empowerment the lightning of sonship is the first thing that manifests out of it and then You gain voices to declare what God is going to do from that place. You are declaring, you're not here on earth saying, oh God, I lift my voice. You're there declaring what God is doing. And that permeates into the places of thunder. And that permeates then into the earthquake. It's a wonderful thing. And I dare say that this probably means that you are pioneering something so that people on earth can feel the hunger and pull who have not yet known the blessing of partnering in this way. And in, in some ways, you're preparing the opportunity for them to follow after. You've pioneered this, and they can, they can be caught up into this thundering, and they can be caught up into this. That's just my opinion. But I do know that you all have been pioneering in this way. I don't say that from a prideful standpoint. I don't say that to pat you on the back and say, oh, how much better you are than anybody else. I'm not saying it for that reason. I'm commending you because you've been willing to go from the Word, to go from the Word and to serve God in these ways. And He's taken you into places. You've been forerunners. You've been people who have explored the possibilities that God has laid from the foundation of the earth, and few you you are the few you are the remnant that have partnered with the Lord to make the way. You've been a pioneer, and I commend you for that. And I thank you as your pastor, and as uh, whatever I am for you in the network. I I commend you for this. But here it is, this carefully selected word, in the book of Revelation the Ark of the Diatheke. You know, what was the Ark for in the Old Testament? You think about it. What made the Nazis want to capture it so much? <laughs> I saw it in a movie. It has to be true. Um, why, what was the Ark? Well, it was it a was place that represented God partnering with people. All the stuff that was put in there was what we need. We need the word, we need to commune with the Father, we need the, the 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 authority to move forth and to and to go forth and to see God's power move that people will follow. And you know, it was in partnership with the angelic. And God would bring either Moses or the high priest there and God supposedly, uh, you know, at the end, toward the end, it was just you just hope the priest would go in there and not get fried and get back out safely. But, you know, by the time of Shiloh, you know, there wasn't, any, there wasn't any breakthrough word. And the ark was just kind of sitting there. You know, they couldn't even keep the lamps on until Samuel got there. Isn't that true? But ideally... It was when God would speak to his people about what he was wanting to do in that point of mercy. He would distribute his mercy and he would say, no, I want you to take this ark in the way I describe for you to go and we're going to go and establish the kingdom. This ark is going to be a, uh, a figure of my dominion and you're going, to, you're going to carry this in. That's what the ark was. So you think about it now. It's being described as the ark of the diatheke, the ark of that assignment from God through the blood of Jesus, which you are given. And the testator is Jesus. And what's he doing? He's always with you. He is at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for us, for the saints, to accomplish the what? The will of God. This is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. No wonder Satan inspired Peter to at that point where the cup was going to be consummated to draw out his sword out of a human theke and to slice off an ear. You know? No wonder. And so often, you know, I, th- I believe in our day, we've been given the greatest mission. We've been put in this time frame, the greatest of all time frames, Prophets, if, if this was said 2,000 years ago, prophets have longed to live and see what you're seeing. What do you think is being said now when the end of all things is in, is very clearly in sight? You know, I, I've said this before, but when I was in the growing up in the 70s, you know, and we would hear these sermons about, you know, the mark of the beast, and, you know, I'd see this huge room with this massive computer that they called the Beast in Belgium and preachers would come and they'd show this blown up picture of that and say, Here, see, here it is, it's coming. Or, you know, you'd see those uh, thief in the night movies, and all the guys with long hair and bell bottoms and suddenly <laughs> they're gone, you know. And but there was always stuff that I would think just, you know, when I was sitting in a pew Uh, I already found out all the funny verses, so I couldn't look for them anymore. I think, you know, I I believe this. I believe what this says, but there's no way that can happen right now. There's just no way right now, tomorrow, that that I wouldn't be able to go down to McDonald's and buy a hamburger if I didn't take that mark. There's just no way that could happen right now, and I was right. It just was not feasible now, then, but not so much now. You know, you hear about what's, what's in China, which uh, a lot of people in Silicon Valley are trying to help them develop this. And they've got so many recognition capacities that they can monitor their people, and it's their agenda that they're gonna see what you do, they're gonna see if you smoke, they're gonna see if you say anything, if you look at anything you shouldn't look at, if you're not a, a really good communist at the end of the year, I guess, and probably it's not just gonna be a year-end review, if, if you're not deemed to, to be a good enough communist, you're not going to be able to borrow money. You're not going to be able to ride on the public transport. You're not going to be able to ride on the trains. You're not going to be able to do any of these things. That's shocking. When you're talking about how many billions of people live in China, for them to have that capacity to at any moment know exactly what every one of those people are doing, that's shocking, and it's happening now. I'm telling you, some of those things that 40 years ago I thought, now nah, that can't happen yet. I could say, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's happening now. You can't search for something on the internet and and, and survive uh, without the next day when you pull up your email seeing 15 ads for the things you searched for. Isn't that true? How do they know I was looking for that? It makes you careful what you're looking for. (laughs) Thankfully, my things are all holy and pure. (laughs) Uh, We're living in the greatest time. And um, these aren't theoretical things. Even though they're true, they're not theoretical. They're happening in you right now. And I'm grateful today that this blood of the cup God is going to, as we come before this table, which is normally the time we'd be coming before the table now, um, as we come before this table, when you take this cup, I'm asking for God to release something into your eternal identity and purpose. When you take this bread, I believe God's commune is going to come to you and such a phenomenal way, but when you take the cup, may deep down in who God created you to be, deep down in your spirit, may there be a shaking, and may you have an impartation of the, the dynamic of this scripture that will enhance your capacities to function in God. It is really a moment of the new. This is a kairos moment. This whole morning seemingly has been that way, but this is a kainos opportunity for you to recognize God is doing something in this moment. It's a kairos moment. So I'm going to step into it and not take advantage seems so crass, but I'm going to take uh, full advantage of what God has provided. I'm I'm not going to just take a dab of it. I want the full kinos of what God has offered in this moment. That's the New Testament. That's the New Testament through His blood. That's His cup. That's through the blood. And and I I'm so grateful for that because uh, you know. There are so many things, uh, you know, God gives us, seems like kairos moments are happening so quickly now. Um, maybe I'm just sensing them more now, but I really do think that the, 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 we, the, we, we, we must work during the day for the night comes. And there are so many opportunities. There are so many irons in the fire. There are so many fields of operation. And each one of them has a varying degree of progression in God. And when you're speaking to a leader in this country and then you're speaking an hour later to a leader in this continent, they're in different capacities in God. We're all doing the same work. We're all serving the same mission. But judging and gleaning the kinos for each of them is something that we've got to be quick and ready to move in. So I know we need a deepening of this principle in all of our lives, each of us prophetically. I was so thankful for what all of you did this past Wednesday night leading into Friday. I could feel the vibrancy of the Spirit of the Lord while that, that binding of the of the c- binding curse was going on. And, you know, I, there are a lot of weird things that happen Wednesday night here. I won't go off into them, but it was a strange environment. But, uh, but anyway, I was really thankful that God gave you that assignment. And I know that there's something that what you did and what you said by the directive of the Lord has had an impact on our nation and an impact subsequently in the world. And, and you really were used by God to take a stand and I'm sure that the enemy was thinking, wait, why isn't this working? Wait, why are we cut off? Wait, why are we not able to move? Why are we bound? Our objective was to bind, but here we are bound. And wait, what's that loosing over there? What's being released in grace? I com- I, again, I'm coming. this is the commending day. I commend you for your faithfulness in doing that. That was a kinos moment from God. Uh, the the, the kairos bell was rung but then it was up to you to step into it and take full advantage of what God said he wanted to do that's the essence of kainos the new in the New Testament so your partnership who you are in God he's been developing you gave that to him but each of you took that cup and you said Lord I'll do this I'll partner with you. It's not enough for you just to know. Oh, I have this gifting. Oh, how wonderful. I can hear from God. Ooh, the angel's over there. It's great to have all those things. Did you see those gold flakes? Ooh, where's that big feather? I have this vision. What does that dream mean? All of those things that are endemic to who you are, what you're supposed to be. At some point you said, I'll do this i'll take this cup and all that i am is committed to fulfilling the inheritance my mission from you and that's being that mission is being expanded it's well maybe not expanded that's not a good word that mission is being enunciated and defined and it's blossoming And it's being uh, expanded out into new theaters of operation. You're not the same as you were. It's a new moment. It's a kainos opportunity for us. And for God to to just... This is a continuation of the Tetheme. He's been talking to us about Tetheme for the whole past year. How many messages has he given us about the Tetheme? and And here we see this in the root of who we are in the cup. I love that. I love that. So before we come to the table, let me just throw out a pneumaticos for dummies rehearsal. God created you, but He also created you for a mission and At some point in your life, you said, I'll do what you want. And that's been empowered by the cup. The bread speaks about your identity. The cup speaks about your function and the life that is expressed through you. And it's interesting, too, that the SOP um, addresses your identity, even though we use the well, you know the sop speaks about your identity because you dip the bread into it, and you say, "Lord, if there's any part of my identity that would rise up to stop me from fulfilling the function, um, I I ask you to cleanse that." So, but your identity is is that way you walk with God. But when you're fulfilling things, you're you're on an agenda. It's an eternal identity. It's your spirit which was born again. Uh, that it was, something was sown into you, the things that God wants to accomplish with you and through you. And point by point, that blood, that life vitality, just keeps coming onto the scene to empower the next phase of how you're supposed to be used, and as you do that further and further, the more times you do that, God puts you in a position where He puts you an assignment to welcome this pattern of the heavens and to welcome this thing. It's all through the way you've served Him, and the way it's not works; it's partnership, and um, that's a wonderful thing. That's why Paul, when he was talking about works and faith. Uh, you know, faith is what God says at the right hand of the throne. And, uh, you know, faith without you doing something is dead. (laughs) You can sidle up there in the secret place of thunder and have God stroke your hair and tell you how beautiful you are. But if you don't go and accept that cup and do something, it's dead. Does that make sense? Faith without works is dead. And you get into seminary and Noodle heads are arguing about these things, you know, what it works, what is this, what is that, and they miss the essence. You need to be before the throne hearing what God says at his right hand and doing something with that. So you have that privilege, and I pray that as we come to this table, God's going to move in the bread. He's going to strengthen what you are called to be. He's going to help that to continue to be developed as you work with him. Because isn't the body developed through exercise? Of course it is. And, but this blood, when we take that cup, wow, I believe there's something that in this moment God's going to firm up in you and there's going to be a, a strengthening and an invigorating of your confidence and, your, and your, your absolute trust in what God has called you to do through him, and there's going to be a clarity of that cup. Now, how do you find that? I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop here just a moment, I promise. But here was Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and why was he saying, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me? Was it that he was abandoning the cup? No. The essence of that is, if this is in the perfect measure of your will, if this timing if this situation is not perfectly when you want this done let it pass now peter was probably sensing those same things and in his rambunctious lifestyle he thought this is not the time he wasn't he you know it was obvious that the enemy recognized that there was an iniquitous perception in him that jesus was not going to go to that cross he voiced it earlier and so in that moment where Jesus was saying, I want to fulfill this task and I want to do it in your way, that's what he was praying about. And there are times where we, we need to really process because we have this cup and because we have this power of this magnificent blood, it doesn't mean we just go out on a sprinkle fest and do whatever we want to do wherever we want to do it. We've got to be called to the Lord and we've got to know that we are affecting this moment and this place by Him. And sometimes you have to go before God and submit yourself. It's a humility. It's, it's not just timing, but it's a, it's a contrition. And if Jesus had to do it, we sometimes have to do it. There are some times that I know this is the time. We've got to do this. God helps, and He says, clarion call, this is it there are other times where I think, you know, I know he wants to do this, but I'm not really sure about the timing. Lord, help us to know your timing. Help us. So whatever we need with this bread and the cup today, I know that God is going to provide it for us, but there's one thing I do know that's going to happen to all of us who will be willing to accept it. There is a deepening and a, uh, a, a resolute quality to something that God's going to put in you today through this table. And we need it for where we are right now and for what is coming in this year of wisdom. Heavenly Father, thank you for this extra time. Uh, I knew you gave this message today, and I was a little concerned. I'd say, you know I said this on the way over here. This is Communion Sunday, Lord. How am I going to be able to say all this stuff? You gave us this time, and perhaps I took advantage of it a little more than I should have. But that being said, I release this word to your people, and I ask you, Lord, that as we come before this figurative table, that you would release the efficacy and the power of your bread and of your blood. We commit ourselves to you, and we gladly accept your cup and use your people uh, for your glory, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I'm going to go down here and take, take the lid off, <laughs> and I just invite you when I come down, I'm not going to say anything down there, which is also different. Uh, you just come and receive, and those of you who are joining with us today, we bless you And uh, maybe you weren't prepared for communion today. Uh, You can go and get the elements and you can partake of this. God wants to bless you too in this. And uh, I thank all of you. So let's come.